Welcome to another episode of Sideways, A Life of Wine. As you'd expect on a podcast where we discuss wine, movies, book publishing, all sorts of things, there will be some swearing, there will be some cussing, which means we're obviously having discussions which contain adult themes. Hi everyone, hi Yui, welcome to The Life of Wine. My name is Rex Pickett and I'm the author of Sideways and two sequels, Vertical and Sideways 3 Chile. I have a brand new novel out titled The Archivist. We're going to be talking about wine and literature and cinema and culture, art, or anything that just uh, we digress into. We're going to just let it all hang out on this podcast and we're going to bare our souls, aren't we, Yui? We sure are, Rex. Hi, I'm Yusuf. I'm known as Yui. And I'm going to be the person who is going to interview Rex and extract as much information as we can out of his head about wine. I'm a fanboy and uh, I've been a fan of Sideways the movie and the books for years. So it's a pleasure for me to uh, work with Rex on this uh, podcast. Good morning, Rex. How are you? I'm doing well. It's not morning. It's afternoon. But uh, you're from New Zealand and I'm from California. So here we are across the Pacific interacting. Nice, Rex. And as usual, we're way ahead of you. Uh, Time zone wise, I should say. Okay, what we'd like to do today is talk about the, the two main female leads. We had a previous podcast which has been released called Miles and Jack and so the name of today's podcast is Maya and Terra and um, and we're going to talk about them in way more detail today the relationship and so on but I want to start off with some basic questions Um, firstly uh, why Maya what inspired you to use the name Maya well, in the early <clears throat> drafts of the novel, her name was Renee, and Renee was actually the name of a real person who worked at the Hitching Post. And um, no, I didn't have a relationship with her or anything else, but I did know her, and she was wonderful, and she was the model for the character. And the publisher was concerned about, you know, she might yeah. not like certain things in the novel and using her name and whatever legal issues. And so they said, change your name, and I said, fine. And I was just kind of playing around with names, and... Um, Maya is actually the name of a cult cab in Napa. So it ha- it's wine related, but it's also, um, I believe it's, it's a Greek god or goddess of, of either intrigue or mystery or something, you know, you can Google that. And, um, and so I, and I like the name. I, I like simple names like that. So it, 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 it was poetic, it was lyrical, and I had to do it for legal reasons. Okay, cool. Great. Right, the second character, her name was Terra, spelt T-E-R-R-A. So tell me about why Terra, and then let's talk at the end of it. If you could tell us what why that name was changed, or why you think the name was changed, if you've got any inside knowledge, and it became something else in the movie. So over to you, why Terra? Well, I have a, <clears throat> a lot of inside knowledge on this. I mean, Terra was the original name, and it's also used in the play and the musical, because that's based on the novel. And... Um, Terra, of course, means Earth, and um, and I thought of her as somebody who was 
kind of earthy in that way. And, um, and also I like the name. I just like the word. It's a, it just sounds great to me. When they did the adaptation, Alexander Payne, of course, did it with his partner. Um, he had cast Sandra Oh as Tara, and they were married at the time. And San, it, this gets a little technical with writing, but for those of you who are writers out there, the novel's written in first person from the standpoint of Miles. So you can't go where Miles doesn't go, okay? In the movie, you could, but Alexander didn't. He stayed in the first person. When I read the dra uh, first draft of the screenplay, I said, Alexander, you stayed in the first person. You never went out. In other words, you could go off with Tara and Maya. What, what did they say in the bathroom while the guys were talking at dinner? What, what did they say? You know, you could do that in the movie. He doesn't do it. So Sandra Oh is a very smart woman. She understood that she was now, so because Miles has a relationship with Maya, she's a secondary character. But because we don't go off with, say, Tara and Jack, for example, she's, Tara is now a tertiary character. She only has seven, eight minutes in the whole movie. Think about it. So what Sandra did is she started changing things. In the book, she drives a four-wheel drive, which is pretty common up in the San Inez Valley in the wine world. No, she gave herself a motorcycle. Well, that stands out visually because, again, she's a tertiary character. By the way, I'm not saying this to diss Sandra Oh because I think she's wonderful in the movie. But Yeah, I, I actually think, um, I, I didn't I'm learning this for the first time, it's a very dramatic entrance. Uh, on on a motorbike, it's it, I was not expecting. Yeah, but she's trying so. to stand out because she's a tertiary character. She knows she only has seven eight minutes. Yeah. She doesn't even have a you know Maya of course Virginia Matson has her great wine speech. She doesn't even have a speech at all. And the reason is is because it's in first person. Miles Paul Giamatti is in every single scene of the movie, and because he doesn't have a relationship or he doesn't go off and talk to Tara at any given moment, she doesn't have that moment. So. Um, you know, the motorcycle, fine, whatever. She, then she changes the name from Tara to Stephanie. Maybe she thinks that stands out. The part that I didn't like, and those changes were done, and now I'm going to say something that's unpopular, but I uh, hope certain people don't hear this. But I'm known to, you know, we talk about bearing our souls here. We talk about telling Absolutely. the truth. We're about the truth, aren't we, Yui? Exactly right. Well, he's married exactly to Alexander right. Payne. So she now decided to give herself a biracial kid. Well, that's not in the book. And for me, I don't have a problem with the fact she has a biracial kid or whatever, and she has a, a white trash stepmother, whatever. There's a scene in a bowling alley, and whenever I'm watching the movie, I always step out of the theater, or back in the days when I was in the theater, or if I'm watching it, I just turn off that scene. That scene was originally four minutes long, and nobody liked it, and they kept cutting it down, cutting They finally kept it in at one minute. It makes no sense whatsoever. My problem with the scene is that it's not that she has a biracial kid or whatever, she's a single mom. I don't have any problems with that. It's the fact that it makes Jack look even more pathetic. And, and that I don't like. So she changed that. That was never in the book. Um, the whole thing where she hits you know, Jack with a motorcycle helmet, you know, that, which I like that scene, it's very different, and we'll get to this, it's very different in the book, and it's very different in the play, and it's very different in the musical. Um, and, and I'm telling you right now, I know Alexander, he would not have allowed anyone else to, to you know, uh, dictate these changes unless, well, I'm married to her. Well, I'm, emotion, an emotional collection. In other words, I, okay, fine. So, I don't have yeah. a great stake in this, fine. I'll just do that. But she, yeah. she definitely yeah. pushed so that she would stand out more. And you know what? She's right. She stands out more. Yeah. 
Well, I, I, I've just um, had a quick look uh, for Maya on Google, and sure enough, yeah, uh, it, uh, Maya is the power by which the universe becomes manifest, the illusion or appearance of the phenomenal world. So you chose Maya, yes. and then you've got Terra, which means Earth. Yeah. Um, what's going on here? Well, okay, now we go back to Jung. If there's something going on. There is something going on here. Um, okay. As I, you know, we talk about Jung, I always go back to Carl Jung and uh, volume six, Psychological Types. So we have Miles as the classic introverted thinking type. And Jack, I remember and that Jack is the that classic. Miles and Jack. And Jack is the classic extroverted feeling type, the huggy guy. He's the guy who, you know, he's, he's out there and he's, uh, he's going to make eye contact with everybody, whatever. Maya, to me, is the introverted um, intuition type. It's a very, very rare type. And Tara, to me, is the classic extroverted sensation type. So sensation is she operates on pure emotion, which is different than the feeling type. It's more, I mean, you know, they all have other, you know, functions yep. that are yep. subordinate to that. You know, so thinking in the case of Miles, feeling is going to be subdominant. It's going to be repressed in him. But so for me, you know, I'm to me, those are opposites. Tara is this. She's volatile. She's emotional, whatever. Maya is more thoughtful. She's more composed. She's more sanguine. You know, and I and I and so I'm I'm always looking for opposites, Huey. And and so there and so we got Tara. She's you know she's of the earth. She's like a sprite in some ways. And and Maya, although Maya has has her earthiness too, but she's she's deeper. Um, I think she's not. I think Tara's a little bit more. Like she's like Jack. They're both kind of superficial. Let's be honest. You know, they're yeah, they're not yeah. they're not gonna. I, I doubt Jack and Tara are talking about the collected works of Jung in Volume Nine. <laughs> well, we know from the sounds that they make that they're not. Well, right. Um, <laughs> so, so Rex, the however, I do like the interaction between the two um, female characters um, in the movie, and I'm not gonna bullshit to you. I can't remember now how they interacted in the book but in the movie they interacted quite well i thought you know um, well in the yes yes and no they don't really interact at all in the movie remember it's in first person so they're only inter, they never interact and we're going to get okay. we're going to get to the song that we had oh. we had done a podcast before the new song with yeah. without a man it's the first time in the book the movie the play and now the musical that we actually go away from Miles and we go away from Miles and Jack to just the yeah, two we'll women. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come to that. Uh, maybe I didn't use the right word, interact, but I felt like um, definitely um, Tara was the more, or, or Stephanie in the movie, was the more impulsive yes. character. Yeah. And, and Virginia was a bit sort of, you know, holding back a bit, you know, a little bit more, um, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right, good. Okay, so so that's uh, that's uh, why you came up with the names for the two female characters. So that's great to know. What I'd like to do now is to break up the rest of the discussion into two parts. In the first part, what we want to do is we want to explore, and you've touched on it, but share with us more about what happened to the female characters from the book and turning it into a movie. So tell me about some of the pluses, some of the minuses. You shared a couple, but have you got any more? Otherwise, we can go straight into the film, into the play, the musical. What would you like to do? You've I got mean, a couple I'm, more? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna reiterate that you know Alexander focused 
the movie on the two guys. And we've talked about this before, but but Virginia Matson's wine speech was not in the first three drafts of the script. And I okay. implored, exhorted, exhorted Alexander to give her a speech of some kind. He did write it, you know, and and they were and they shot it, but then he tried to cut it in post production. I defy anyone who's a sideways fan to go watch the movie and turn the sound off on her wine speech. Her character is a virtual cipher without that. And Sandro, except for the famous scene where she, you know, smacks him in the nose with the motorcycle helmet, her role is only seven minutes. And even with the wine speech, Virginia Madsen's only 12 minutes in a 123-minute movie. These are tiny, tiny roles. So they have bigger roles in the novel. And now we'll get to the play. And I'm just going to leap forward to the play. The, the play, not only did I want them to be bigger because I wanted to explore the characters more, but also for a practical reason. If, you, if an actress only has scenes in Act 1 but nothing in Act 2 to do, who are you going to get to do it? She's just sitting around. You know, I mean, she's almost like an extra or, you know, uh, whatever. So I, I wanted to expand their roles. And, and, but also, too, if, let's just take the case of Tara. You know, she, we, I stayed in the first person in the play. I did do that. But she, because she's on stage and because um, of the way it's staged, she's more of a presence. But in Act 2, the scene in the movie where she smacks Jack in the face with the, you know, with the motorcycle helmet, you know, once she found out that he's getting married and, you know, he's been cheating on her, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, that is a huge scene where she confronts them in their hotel room, the Windmill Inn, which, by the way, now is the Sideways Inn. But, yeah. and, and she confronts them, and they have confiscated a gun from the boar hunter, which is a scene not in the movie. And, Love that. And she Love fires that. the gun. She fires the gun on the stage, and it's a big, huge moment, and it's actually one of the great moments in Act Two. The audience applauds, mostly women, the way she gets back at Jack. And it's funny. It's heartbreaking. It's it's got everything, and it's just. In fact, the actress in London, who is a terrific actress, Beth Cordingly is her name. She said, "Rex, I wouldn't have done it because the role is so small, except for that scene in Act Two. That's the only reason I decided I agreed to do the play." <laughs> hey, with the play right now um, going around Spain, it's about halfway through its run, um, and it doesn't finish till next year, and it started last year. It, does that mean there's a gun going off every night in Spain on stage? No, I don't think. In Spain, they did they they compressed the two acts into a one act. It's only like ninety minutes long. Um, I'm you know they have a kind of a tradition of farce there, Spanish farce, and I think that they've made change. It's still Miles and Jack, and it's still the yeah. two women, and he still cheats on his fiance and all that. But I think okay. they've made a lot of changes. They've simplified it because it's on a national tour in two languages, so it. They made. Yeah, they yeah, want yeah. to make it okay. for easier for production. Bear in mind, this play okay. is twenty-three scenes and setting changes. It's a very difficult yeah. play to, to stage. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I, I distracted us. So back to back to um, taking the film and um, and then you writing the play. So let's let's back back into that zone and and the way you expanded the female characters. So um, well, def- here's here's a, a scene in Act One where. Um, that's not in the movie, and it ends Act One. Miles and Jack, Jack arranges it, and um, Maya and Tara all go to a hot tub. And at some point, Jack and Tara head off to their cabana to do their thing. And it's with Maya 
and Miles. And it's a very heartfelt scene. So we still have the scene with the famous wine speech, and it's longer, and it's funnier, and it's a bigger scene. But now we have this other scene. And here's another big, a big moment, and then I want to get to a point. The top of Act 2, in the, in the movie, when Maya finds out from Miles that Jack is getting married, it's like an afterthought at a picnic under a walnut tree. It's just like an afterthought. It's a 40-second moment, but not in the play. In the play and in the book, after they've made love in the early morning hours, Miles is feeling remorseful. He's feeling tremendous guilt. He confesses. And when he confesses to her, she flips out. I mean, not like Tara flips out, but she flips out. No. And it's a big scene in the, at the top of Act 2. And it's, a, it's okay. one of my favorite scenes in there. So I want to get to this. And then, of course, the ending, I don't know if we should spoil it, but the ending is different. Maya only appears on a, on a voice message at the end, and then Miles drives up and knocks on her door, but we don't see her. The ending in the book and in the play and the musical is different. You know, Maya, we, we see her. And her role got expanded um, because I wanted to get a really great actress. I did Julia McIlvain is just unbelievable at, at the little 50-seat Ruskin Group Theater. And the, it, the character has so much more inner life than she does in the movie. And I love the movie, don't get me wrong. But the movie is more of a bromance. And the women are really kind of given second shrift, if you want to know the truth. Mm, and uh, said, said a lot of characters. Yeah, so. and it's, um, but, in the, um, but in the play, the women expand. But one night I was at Ruskin, the play ended, and, uh, and people hung around and drank wine. And a woman came out and said, Rex, you've written a great romance. And I said, well, you know, maybe one day Miles and Jack will, you know, find that other, you know, gear. No, but, uh, and, and, she, and she laughed and she goes, no, 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 Miles and Maya. It's a great romance. And I thought, wait a second, she has such a small role, although bigger in the play. But it, it, it struck a chord in me. I thought, wait a second, women come into the play and they're invested in Tara and Maya. They're not invested. I mean, yeah. I, that, that sounds kind of naive and you know, stupid to say that, but it, it, I think I needed somebody to say that. So when we, I was approached to do the musical by my composer, Anthony Adams, um, I thought, well, now's my chance to even go bigger because musicals, of course, um, they, they raise the emotional stakes when you go into song. Yeah. And with Maya now in the musical, she now has six songs. That relationship between Miles and Maya is as big as Miles and Jack in the musical. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I want to get the sequence right. So so you wrote the play based on the book because you, you couldn't base it on anything in the movie. That's fine. And you expanded the uh, female leads or the characters a little bit more. And then you wrote the musical based on the play. Is that Yes. Is that so correct? my composer yeah. took the play and he said, OK, Rex, here's where a song goes. Here's where a song goes. Here's where a song goes. And now I have to strip out dialogue that that song is going to replace. Okay, so you had another opportunity yes. to yeah. expand yeah. and and grow the female characters, and so um, you gave us a hint just a few seconds ago that she sings six songs. Explain more what you did to the female characters in that step from the play to the musical, please. Well, I just I, I found um, I found more dialogue for them. I expanded the dialogue, and I also was any opportunity 
to you know do a song with them i wanted you know i i, I definitely was going to do a song we weren't going to take anything away from the play but in doing in doing that i was able to expand the roles for instance the top of act two in the musical opens with a trio that has tara and actually um jack's uh, you know fiance and jack and they're singing in different places so she's also got a trio song but now there's a new song that was just written and just recorded. We'd love to share it with you, but rights issues and whatever. And it's, it's Maya and Tara and this anthemic song that we talked about where they basically go on about men. So we, we have that podcast. And so we had to take out a song from Miles and add one. So by addition and by subtraction, Tara now and, and Maya become even bigger. So I, it, just, it just was simply expanding their roles, Yuli. We could play forty-five seconds, couldn't we? Well, we could. Yeah, song? we could. Yeah. Okay, so why don't we why don't we do that now, and then um, and then let's carry on. Just so uh, for the listeners out there, we're about to play forty-five seconds of the new song. To what we can do, dark skies become cerulean blue. Oh, don't need. Liars, unemotional frequent flyers, all talk, no action, can't get any traction, it's all about the chase, then they want their fucking space. We'll have a vineyard, we've got a plan, sun ripened grapes in our water. Okay, Rex, that was just a small little treat, a little teaser of uh, 45 seconds for our um, listeners. Um, let's carry on. So do, have you got any other uh, points you'd like to take us through around the, the role of the female characters in the musical? Well, I think the musical is, is much more sweepingly romantic now. And, 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 you know, the Miles and Jack story is still very much there. It's still very much front and center. But I would say now that Miles and Maya's uh, love story, if you want to call it that, especially with the ending, which is not new. It's from the novel. Alexander wasn't going to use it uh, for reasons uh, he told me. He said it was too Hollywood. I disagree with him, but whatever. And um, and now you have a full arc. You, if you watch the movie, there really there's a kind of a little mini button at the end with the you know Miles driving up. But the truth is, there isn't a real arc to Miles and Maya's relationship. In the musical, there is a full arc with almost a, a cathartic, you know, ending in a way. And I think that it's, you know, that story now has a real beginning, middle, and an end but that I don't really, and especially with the music raising the emotional stakes in a way, um, I, think, I think we see um, something, you know, more powerfully emotionally profound between miles and Maya, and always always is interested in the maya character and ex expanding that role and and not reducing it to just these these two guys because it makes it makes the women look like they're just um 
you know, they're there for almost like, I hate to say this in the, in the movie, but, you know, it makes them a little bit kind of like plot devices in a way. And, and yet the Jack and Miles thing really works. It works really well. But to me, they're, they're real people. They're real characters. They have inner lives. So the way to explore them is to give them more scenes. And the way to really explore them is to have them go away from Miles and Jack and talk to each other. And now they do in the second act. It's something that has not happened all the way back to the novel in 1998-99. Oh, that's great. Hey, hey Rex, if, um, if Miles and Maya are the headline romance arc in the musical, where, where do Jack and Terra uh, slot in how, how what have you done about that relationship because that is a fascinating relationship you know um. well I think when people see the musical and if they get a chance to see the play Tara's big ex explosive you know uh, scene in act two and it's a big scene I mean it's a good eight minutes bear in mind when um, you know Sandra O bashes his face in with a motorcycle helmet we're talking about a 30 second moment and she's gone you never see her again you never even hear about her again but, you know, Tara... Uh, that, that's in the movie. You're talking in the about movie, the movie, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, in, in the, the movie, play, yeah. it's, this is an eight-minute scene. She really lays into them, you know, with, you know, with tremendous vitriol. And, and yet it ends on a kind of a mordantly comic note. And, um, and, and, and the audience just erupts. Because the audience knows the movie. So they're... And it's, it's similar to the book, a little bit different. I heighten it. Uh, they're not expecting it. The same with the boar hunter. They're not expecting the boar hunter. And, and the ending, which we don't want to give away, they're not expecting that ending. So what I realize about the play is, the play, and I'll tell you, Des McEnough, who did it at La Jolla Playhouse, said it to me after he read the play. He said, Rex, I love the movie, but the play is richer and more emotionally complex. And I thought, wow, that's a great compliment. And, I, and then I thought, well, with the musical, you know, because when they break into song, you now go to this more heightened emotional uh, state that you know it I, I can actually take more risks with the women characters in a way and bring them in plus I love hearing the women sing <laughs> you know probably as much yeah. if not more more than the men and so of course I wanted to keep giving them more but it was really what that woman said to me at the little 50 seat theater in Ruskin you've written a great romance Rex and I thought not yet but I will when we get to the musical but it, that's that she really planted the seed and uh, right there, and uh, Fantastic. and I watered it. Good stuff. Yeah. Cool. Great. All right. Well, we're going to begin winding up this podcast. Um, any other last things you want to say before I pose a final question to you about something not related to this? Um, any other comments about the? I would, the I would just characters? say that you know when I saw the movie and I and when I did the play and I saw the women characters and then got to that there was this great enantiodromia, you know, where you know, which is this Jungian term where all the energy goes to one side and suddenly when it does, there's a, a kind of an obverse reaction where it goes back to the other side. So that's our word of the day, enantiodermia. Well, you're going to have to spell it, I'm afraid, because I don't even know what it starts with. So it's spell it, please. E-N-A-N-T-I-O-D-R-O-M-I-A. Enantiodermia. Enant. Teodromia. Yes. Wow. Okay. Are you sure that's English? Well, I think it has Latin origins, but, uh, you know, I'm not a, yeah. an etymologist. 
no, fair enough. Hey, um, two things. We've had our first um, email from a listener, oh. and um, and I'd like to uh, share it with you. It comes from um, Jasmine, and Jasmine's um, first um, question, Jasmine from New Zealand, her first question is, if red wine comes from red grapes and white wine comes from green grapes, how come we don't call it green wine? So she'd like to um, understand that. And she was very uh, keen to, um, for you to um, answer that question for her, please. Boy, I'm not sure. I, uh, that's a great, that's such a great question. It has me stumped. I, I would imagine that, uh, you know, that the idea of a green wine might not be, it might sound like it's, it's made of vegetables, so it may not be palatable. And also bear in mind, yes, the grapes are green, but when they're pressed, we end up with a juice that literally, why don't we call it a yellow wine or a golden wine? Because it tends to look more yellow or golden. They probably, I don't know, we'd have to Google this, but somewhere they, um, you know, they came up with... Should we, um, is that your homework between now and the next um, episode? I, I got to check it out, but why? it's a great question because yeah. she, she's right. You know, white wine grapes are green. I'm, I'm going to guess that just the idea of, uh, you know, th these are green wines. It sounds like it's raw or it's it's like it's going to be, um, you know, uh, underripe or something, you know. So yeah. when you go with white, yeah. white, you know, has a certain, I don't know, whatever, uh, you know, maybe it has a certain pristine, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Hey, and I've got another question. Okay. Uh, this came from a friend, uh, a verbal question. He asked whether you would um, ever record commentary so that he could watch um, he could watch sideways with a volume down and listen to you talk him through the entire movie. And I said to him, that's a big ask. Two hours is a long time. What if we broke it up into four 30-minute uh, chunks? And he said, yeah, absolutely. So um, is that something um, we we could do one day? We could actually record, we could, you and I could watch Sideways uh, together and you then just uh, for the first 30 minutes um, sort of give commentary? On well, that? they used to do this on DVDs, you know, it was like these were these yeah. added things That's, or whatever. Yeah. Of course, there's a rights issue, you know, with the movie. And of course, you know, I'd say, sure, I'd love to do it. You know, call my agent. Well, oh, okay. No, honestly, to be serious, I would love to do that because I could take people through a lot of things. Um, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, commentary. I know Paul and, and Thomas did one on on sideways and they're kind of making fun and I I didn't really like their commentary that much a lot of people did like it because they, they kind of it, it broke the fourth wall you know what I mean in a way mm. but in a way my commentary would have to kind of keep it brief because I have a lot of things about certain little scenes now maybe we'd even have to pause it at, at times but it would be it would be interesting to see I, I could give an insight and a lot of it would be interpretive and would be subjective and speculative why Alexander chose for example Right off the bat, Miles is a school teacher. He's not a school teacher mm. in the book, and I and I have, I, yeah. I have answers for this. So I, I'd love to do it. Of course, I'd love to do it. Right, you know. because we're not breaching any rights. Because we're not going to be playing any bits of the movie. We're asking people to put this audio recording oh, I on see. while they're oh, watching fine. the movie. Yeah, fine. Okay, so we're not breaching any rights. So we, we would and record may, and it. Maybe, and, I... and maybe give a like a donation or something like to you know the Rex Pickett Writers Foundation. That's true. Yeah. That's true. It's in, <laughs> hasn't hit dire straits yet, but yeah, you know. okay. Okay. All right. Well, that's great. That's a great way to um, to round off this um, podcast. Thank you very much. Rex. If anyone that has any great. questions um, about Mayantera or the play or the yep. musical, 
Fire them at our our website there because I'm happy to answer them. I I don't get tired of talking about all the different iterations through the various mediums from book to movie to play now to musical, which is very different than a play. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Is there something else? What happens after a play, a musical? Do we do you write a big epic poem? Is that the next step, artistically? No, I think what we do is we do the sequel. Finally, Yui. Oh yes, that's right. I we go back. That. No, I didn't. We go back <laughs> to the ancestral origins, and Rex writes oh, a book, no. and we go through the whole process, oh, and we no. do a movie, and then we do another play, a sideways two play, and a sideways two musical. Okay. Do you know what my fantasy would be here related to Sideways? It would be that the movie and the book at least, uh, sorry, the yeah, the movie touches a little bit on books two and three. That would be wonderful. If there was a way that we could have, have even if it's small scenes or small number of scenes, but some way of just filling that gap between book one and four, that would be wonderful. Yeah, well, That's all, because they're great books. Yeah, yeah, they're great thank books. you very much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Rex, uh, I promise this time to say goodbye. Thank you, um, and catch you later. Thank you, and thanks to the audience and all our listeners. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Sideways, The Life of Wine. Both Rex and I hope you enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed it so much that you'll share this with your friends and go online and rate this podcast. If you have a question for Rex related to the movie, the books, his latest book, anything to do with wine, actually, please drop us a line to wine at 158.co.nz That's wine at 158.co.nz They want to drink Merlot. We're drinking Merlot. No! If anyone orders Merlot, I'm leaving. I am not drinking any fucking Merlot! No fucking Merlot. No fucking Merlot. No matter how low we go. No fucking Merlot. This podcast is a 158 production.